Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast on this wonderfully stormy Tuesday. You're not listening to this on a Tuesday, but um, man, it was a bit, a bit breezy and rainy out there today. Um, everybody, everybody, make it through the the mess, okay? I'm sorry. Joined as always, um, I'm Aaron, and I'm always joined by Fredo and Dave. So, um, did you guys uh, have any uh, any any flooding or anything around your neighborhoods? I mean, it is New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, and I had to pick up the kids during, you know, some of the worst of it. So uh, school pickup is always an adventure with that stuff because it's like in general, they- school pickup is an adventure. <laughs> right. We always like to compare it to Mad Max, you know, or there's just like cars driving over one another and, and bodies flying and everything. Yeah. So it's crazy. But yeah, we. We got through it okay. Though. Now, wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute. Are you talking about picking up your kids from school or the Chick-fil-A that's going in at Tulane and Carrollton? Because <laughs> that's, that's going to be the next Mad Max. That's going to be Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Man. However, we do need – there is one little bit of uh, um, Saints news. Um, so Paul Blart, the mall cop, is going to be playing uh, Sean Payton in a Netflix movie. Um Oh, no, right. just, just we don't let's not just around the horn. What do you guys think of this when you when you heard this? You know, Kevin James, Adam Sandler's Happy Gilmore Productions is putting this together. It's when Sean Payton was suspended for Bounty Gate and went and coached his kids uh, little league team. It's going to be called Home Team, I think, like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think the potential of the story is awesome, but I'm just trying to square the circle with, you know, Kevin James's, you know, Sean Payton. Yeah, that doesn't work. No, I think it's because it's a Happy Madison production, and therefore, okay, which one of Adam Sandler's friends is going to play the role? Well, uh, you, Kevin James, you'll do it. I mean, it could have been him or it could have been David Spade, and I don't think I would have liked David Spade. <laughs> oh. So, actually, maybe David Spade will play Joe Vid or... Uh, Norm McDonald will play uh, Spagnolo. Well, maybe, and there is a there's a chance that we'll have Farmer Fran on the sideline. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So, uh, I don't know, Dave. What what you what do you think when you when you heard? You about know, it made me laugh about this was that Duras on Twitter was like, uh, "The only way I'll watch this thing is if we get to see uh, physical harm inflicted on the commissioner during the course of the runtime." And I thought, <laughs> well, that's funny. So I made it. Like I took it a step further. I was like, okay, so what if it's like Inglorious Bastards? We'll rewrite history. You know, you get to see, you know, all these people that Saints fans hate get murdered during the course of the movie. Um, you know, that that might be really good. You know, uh, I, interestingly enough, apparently Sean Payton did read the script and did make a few changes to it. So he did have input in on it. So that's interesting. So anyway, just... Let's just all wait and then watch and see what happens when Nola Twitter re or San Saints Twitter uh, Saints Twitter you know watches uh, the Sean Payton movie. So uh, everybody will be watching at the same time. Just get ready for that. <laughs> I think there. I think that should be. Hopefully, we'll be through some of this pandemic garbage so we can all meet at a bar and watch it at the same time. Anyway, um, it's time for some Star Wars trivia, as always. So. Um, Yep, using the uh, tri- uh, Trivial Pursuit uh, DVD edition. Still need to get my DVD player so we can see what that's all about. But anyway, um, Fredo, let's go to you first. What Imperial officer refers to the Death Star as the ultimate power in the universe? Ooh, man. Oh, that's gosh. A tough one. Okay. Uh, but I think uh, you've I gotten this pic- one before. I can picture the guy. Yeah, oh, wait, I remember wait, wait. this. I can picture the scene, and I can picture the guy. And I can even picture Vader choking him. I just can't remember the name. So, uh, I don't know. I'll take a guess. There's only so many admirals out uh, there. Ooh, I almost gave something away. Ad- Admiral, I was about to say Admiral. But no. uh, Trap! Admiral Jones. It was Admiral Mahdi. Okay, see? No M-O-T-T-I. Yep, I've only seen that scene 10,000 times. I've never heard a dude's name said up loud. All right. Well, yeah, but that was actually, that was kind of a tough one to start off with. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on the opposite end of the spectrum, because I have to be honest, it's always the first one I look at. Dave, with all apologies to Fredo, 
who frightens off a mouse droid in the Death Star's hallway? Chewbacca! Chewbacca the Wookiee. Yes, it is Chewbacca. All right. So, yeah, opposite ends of the spectrum. We've got, you know, we had, we had Jeopardy and we had Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? All right. <laughs> so let's see what I get. Um, who's shown feasting on amphibious creatures from a snack bowl? Well, that's interesting. Well, Whoa. so, yeah, yeah kind of. I mean, it, if this was a later edition, we could almost say it was Grogu, but no, it's not. Um, um, that's going to be Jabba the Hutt. Yes, Jabba the Hutt. Woo-hoo. Except it was kind of, was it a snack bowl or was that, or were they coming out of his hookah? It's almost like he had like a, like a bowl to the side. It didn't look like a snack bowl, but then yeah, whatever. he liked them live. Yeah. So, all right. So now that we're all warmed up, um, boy, I can't wait for one of the news stories. This will be interesting for us to talk about. But, uh, Fredo, let's toss it to you for some news. Okay, let's start with the news and then we'll get to the one to the rumor. First bit of news that kind of came out yesterday that um, they announced the next phase of the High Republic stories. And it's supposed to be the the Republic Fair basically the idea the the overall theme basically um it starts with uh kevin scott's novel coming out june 29th called the rising storm and it's the whole idea that after the hyperspace disaster and stuff that happens they try to have a big old event uh republic fair a showcase for the possibility and peace of the republic which of course attracts the fury of the nihil and other characters so it's supposed to be kind of like the overarching theme of the next series of the main main novel, but also the next new young adult novels, comic books, the whole nine. So uh, Daniel Jose Older's Race to Crash, uh, to Crash Point Tower will be uh, under that idea. Some of the comic books uh, that have been coming out, uh, Justina Ireland's Out of the Shadows will also follow that. So it's taking the next step forward, the High Republic and their storyline. Right on. Have you guys have you guys read any of the the New Republic stuff yet? I bought Light of the Jedi. It's still sitting on my on my, on my table. I've just been swamped with work, and I'm it, hoping maybe to read it soon. And and I, yeah, I, I just need to go down to one of the comic stores. I need to get the comics. Or if anybody's listening who might you know get us in on you with daniel jose older just to give us some comic books <laughs> but no i have to go down i have yeah. to go down get some comic books and uh and and check out that side of things dave have you done anything because you got one of the books didn't you i'm in the same boat as fredo i got the light of the jedi and i just i haven't gotten very far into it yet um but i i like that i read the first couple of chapters i like that and just mm-hmm. uh, life has gotten a little crazy well yeah and you know with me i've got, i've got like for me it's tough because again i'm 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 a admittedly slow reader um and i have so many star wars books sitting on my nightstand that i need to read and after a while it just gets kind of overwhelming to try to keep up with it so um yeah i'll i'll, I'll, I'll get there eventually um, i will say that the first novel though has has gone on sale at this point um, right. because that's how I ended up with it. Uh, I think Kate found it on sale and was like, Oh, okay. Why not? And got it for me. So now I do want to jump in with a little bit of news here, Fredo. It's not on our list. Um, if it's okay. And, Cause I was actually listening to the star Wars underworld podcast on my way to work today. And, uh, they, they mentioned this. And so I looked it up and this is, this is way cool. Um, uh, LGBTQ plus heroes of star Wars will, uh, be on uh will take the spotlight in pride month color uh, covers as uh reported by screen rant here um so several characters such as dr afra and lando calrissian and sonastaros they're going to be um on different uh comic book covers i believe for uh pride month so you know one of the things we always talk about is that you know representation in star wars and i think that is that is pretty awesome and and actually the star wars underworld was talking about um even some um trans non-binary um characters i believe from the high republic um who mm-hmm. are going to be featured as well 
So, I mean, that's, that's, that's really huge. Cause I think about, you know, the, the conversations we've had with guests and how they, you know, you know, didn't see themselves in star Wars. And that's, that's, that's going to be a huge thing. So they're, they're being not just smart, but being good about providing a representation and quality representation, not the token representation that unfortunately came before it. This is actually their, you know, characters who are involved that are active participants that you can get to know. So yep. it's only to the good. So anyway, that was just uh, kind of a neat okay. thing. All right. So now we got, we got a, so, a rumor. So huh? that was the, so those were the news. Here's the rumor. And the rumor goes something like this. Walt Disney has developed a lightsaber kids. Get my pocketbooks ready. So I'm just going to read this out of The Verge, even though it's been run the globe now by this point. So apparently uh, at a Disney and Parks event, Disney Parks chairman Josh Damaro ended his presentation on April 8th by, quote unquote, whipping out a never before seen retractable <laughs> lightsaber. That is the way that it's written. And I'm really verbatim. Nobody, nobody has, apparently I'm the only one in the room with an editor. Uh <laughs> That I mean, you can follow the link. It's they say by quote by whipping out a never before seen retractable lightsaber, no video evidence, mine. So you get to apparently uh it's based on a 2018 patent for a quote sword device retractable internally illuminated blade. And uh Yeah, so you're not gonna be a, you're not gonna be cutting off limbs or cutting through steel, kids. If you wanna see that one, there is a couple guys who actually created one that's attached to a propane tank and everything that actually does cut through stuff so yeah but um, you shouldn't be you know no. even grown adults should be with that one this one so uh ben ridout the uh, vr developer actually says had a number of uh tweak concepts and uh digital models explaining how it works uh basically it's uh it's um well it's, it's really an extension it's a double tape measure extension and that's the thing that worries me because how many times have you been trying to measure anything beyond like 10 feet and the tape measure just kind of bends in the middle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're, when you're trying, so we're all going to be able to recreate that one scene in the family guy, star Wars, where Ben Kenobi, you know, lights up his lightsaber against Darth Vader and it just kind of flops over and he says, your powers are weak, old man. I mean, that's that's my fear with this thing If because they talk about tape measure. Or, you know what's worse? You're going to be able to recreate space balls when yep. they get their shorts all twisted. Yeah. <laughs> what's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? When, you know, because I mean, the natural collision is you got a lightsaber, your friend's got a lightsaber, you're going to want to swing at each other. Now, so the moment you hit, here's here's the other thing. I mean, first of all, if you look at those concepts, that they're it is really kind of cool. It is really kind of cool. But there's some things that are going to make me. And again, God, for God's sakes, it's a, you know, I was happy with the golf club tube that I put tape on to make it look like a handle. And, you know, anyway, but so I would I would have killed to have some, and I hated the lightsabers that had the retractable blade, but only so far. You know mm. what I mean? So there's a little bit of blue, or a little bit of green, or a little bit of red coming up. Um. So, so this, yeah, this is gonna be way cool for you know some kid to you know have an actual lightsaber that the blade you know you know emits and comes out and everything like that. Um. But the so the 48 year old Aaron is like going. You know, the thing that's going to drive me nuts is that you hit this button and how fast is that motor going to go to extend the tape measure tube thing and light? So is it going to be because you want a lightsaber to go, you know, and it's lit up, not give it a second. Give it a second. Almost there. You know, I don't know. It just. Maybe it'll be. Yeah, when the batteries start running down, it's gonna be like you're clunking up the hill of your favorite roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> and then it gets jammed halfway through. You know what I mean? So, um, however, it does sound pretty cool. So, go ahead, Dave. I was gonna say, like you, you the modern, the modern sabers that kids have now, um, that go all the way down in, right? And then you kind of flick your wrist, and the whole thing you know, 
fly, comes flying out. And I got to the point where even with those kinds of sabers, you can light them up. You know, I got a little LED light in there and it shines up. Um, so that's kind of cool. That's better than what we had when we were kids. Um, but like, you know, it's hilarious to me. Like this thing is like, people are calling it a real lightsaber, a real lightsaber. No. Yeah. Wake me no. up when it is a real lightsaber. Actually, I, had a, <laughs> I have a friend who used to be, used to be a cop and he said he always, man, if there was a lightsaber, he said that would be my secondary, you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be the little gun stuffed down in his you know sock he'd have a lightsaber hanging from his belt um now now the article does kind of bring up a good question do you think that this is something that'll be available to people to purchase even if it's expensive like the optimus prime that uh james and muse and kevin smith were showing or will it just be a prop for say the Disneyland actors or Disney actors. Well, well that's the with. thing also, or is it just, yeah, is it just going to be in the, in the star cruiser, you know, type of a thing, you know? Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think everything's for sale, right? I mean, is this Disney events patents because they want you to spend your money. And, uh, but yeah, it's a question of, uh, how much money they can, you know, because we're talking about the, the two hundred dollar lightsaber that they've got at um, uh, Galaxy's, Galaxy's Edge, Edge. and I mean, you could tell the heft and the quality of that. I can't imagine you charge double for a lightsaber that the first time you try to battle your friend, it bends at the, <laughs> the yeah, point right, of impact. Right again, immersion gone. And and then you know, well, yeah, and the way these, and again, we're all just basing it on these animatics that this dude created mm -hmm. based on the patent that he saw so it's not we haven't seen anything yet yeah, nobody but, has nobody outside the presentation did but i mean there, there's also yeah i mean the whole thing and we'll we'll end it with this um is the you know it, it'll be interesting to see how they can contain the light blade because that's always been the problem right is that you know and fredo got so mad he left the call um you know it's the you, you know you light you, you light it up and light just goes until as far as it wants you know what i mean it's like how so that's why one of those drawings it looks like there's a cap at the top to contain the the length of the blade which would be awkward because then you have this Again, you basically have a golf club tube with a flashlight in the middle of it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it would check it out. You can find, if you just go on Twitter and say, you know, lightsaber, you're going to find some of this stuff real easy. Um, so, yeah. So there's our there's our news for the night. Um, and how much would you pay for a lightsaber? And let's just say that Optimus Prime, seven hundred dollars. When I saw that Optimus Prime, I was like, that is way cool. And then when I saw the price tag, I was like, man, I'm not that cool. Not that cool. <laughs> so He knocked all the cool right out of it, huh? It is, it is, it is, cool, it is pretty sweet. Um, so, all how right. How much what, what would you pay for the Optimus Prime? How much would I pay for the Optimus Prime? You know, yeah. Hundred bucks. I, I I don't know. You're talking to the guy who used his annual bonus, or at least a, a portion of his annual bonus, to buy the sail barge. So I mean, <laughs> that was you know that was when I had a job that gave annual bonuses, and I wasn't used to annual bonuses. So what do you do with an annual bonus? You you buy the sail barge. Um. So, I mean, that yeah. So I don't know. Everything's for sale. That's what I said earlier. <laughs> so. All depends on how weak I am. Um, all right, so let's uh, leave Star Wars for a few moments, and then let's continue uh, our little discussion about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, the new episode came out um, this previous uh, Friday, and also we got a mid-season trailer, and I want to talk about the mid-season trailer first. Um, lame. Don't call it a mid-season trailer and only give, like, one new shot one or two maybe new shots everything else was stuff we've already seen and everything like that you know lame you know if you want Plus, people to go gaga put a bunch of stuff that you haven't seen yet so anyway plus mid-season two with two episodes left right right that's yeah 
So, or maybe, maybe we're just all late. They were, it was already there. Just nobody, you know, knew it. Um, so, uh, I don't know. What'd you guys, what'd you guys think of this past episode? Uh, it ended pretty dark and, um, the internet revealed themselves once again when they, uh, said, yes, that's the way Captain America is supposed to be. It's like, what? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we'll give you just a couple seconds to uh, fast forward, you know, oh, about 10 minutes or so, because um, we'll we'll be talking about this. Okay. I'm sorry. I've never, I've never read any Captain America comic book, but I had a hunch that if I was to see Captain America slaughtering some dude with his shield and there'd be blood all over it, that that's not the way Captain America is supposed to be. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> so what'd you, what, how'd you, what'd you guys think of this episode? It was, uh, like I said, ended dark. That's just people missing the point as usual. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, <sighs> so, so I'm while sorry. You're, while you're while you're taking the sigh there, okay? Because Dave, you mentioned something in the last episode. You said um, about the how, what this what this series right now is speaking to as far as race relations um, and things like that. The other thing that was hitting my there's a lot of I think there's a lot of notes that this series is hitting, and the one that that I've been stuck on with this past episode, it's kind of like um, an arms race. You know, mm-hmm. what, what country I've always th- found this interesting. It's like, um, that country is not allowed to have nuclear weapons, but our country can have a gazillion of them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like who, and that's one of the, one of the themes that's like, who is, um, you know, okay. So you can take this super serum and it's like, if you use it for noble causes, then it's okay. Well, who's to say what the noble cause is and what's noble to Fredo might not be noble to me. And, you know, so it's hitting, first of all, like I said, I see this, I, I, it, it reminds me of, like I said, the arms race. Um, but then also that, that idea of, you know, one person's terrorist is another person's, you know, revolutionary and, you know, Oh, it's re- really interesting on those le- on those levels because like it's very um nobody's nobody's got their hands clean at this point you know like that kind of thing because like you think about it from just like a detached perspective like we step back from it and let's evaluate the characters that we're seeing as they're acting at present Zemo comes off as being maybe the most um moral individual in the show and we know this isn't the case because we know what he's done, but like he's like not tempted for a second by the serum. It's like I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna destroy it. It it will only do harm. It will only do more harm. I'm gonna destroy this. He starts stomping on the stuff, and you contrast that with Walker, who like, you know, within five minutes shoots it up because he doesn't have any self control at all. Um, and like the, how that's framed is really cool too, because it's like the, these, these characters are, you know, him and his friend are talking it out and he's like, would you take this if you could? And his friend is just like, yeah, well you could help more people. Right. And that's how he frames it. And it's a good reminder that none of these people are all good or all bad. Well, it's also um, interesting. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's what I do. You know, it's also interesting that, you know, because you mentioned Zemo. Zemo and um, Sam are kind of yin and yang, like dang near literally, you know, because they both, he asked Sam, would you take the serum? And he's like, and Sam was automatically, no. And he yeah. pointed out, that was, that was, you answered quickly. Okay. So neither one of them would use this, you know, the super soldier serum. Um, but their, their means are different and they're, they're, you know, right. you know, Sam wouldn't kill people to, you know, stop the serum from being used, whereas Zemo would. So like I said, and like I said, then you get into that whole race relations thing. It's literally, you know, yin yang, but, um, everything in this series is kind of reinforcing why Sam was chosen 
by Captain America to take the mantle of the shield. And it's all also explaining why he wouldn't take it. Mm -hmm. Um, And on those, on those beats, it's really, really effective at telling that story. I mean, this is, this is really, what's crazy about this is if you really think about it, because like, it's called Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? And it's really Sam's story. I mean, like, honestly, we're getting some Bucky background, which is cool. We're going to learn a little more about him. He's his buddy. He's helping him out. But to it's be, really to be fair, Disney, Disney is not naming things worth it. I mean, everything is just the person's name. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's Loki. It's Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's, you know, the Mandalorian. It's, it's everybody's stupid name. But anyway, go ahead, Dave. But I do think there's a larger point there, which is that the entire experience that Sam has is framed by what others observe about him which is a lot of what the black experience has been in this country um and and what they've tried to tell us he's like like black lives matter and all of these things where it's like please just listen um and it's like i'm not the person that has to explain racism to you i'm not uh defined necessarily by the color of my skin um and yet they constantly get presented with um these demands on them to do those things and so like this is this is how this story is playing out i mean this is this is what sam is having to deal with and and they're telling a really really smart way and again it's like you know here I am, the white guy trying to explain this, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thinking, how I how American of you, Dave? Yeah, how yeah, American yeah, of you? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're out of yeah. line, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not lying, but he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, go ahead. No, no, I was uh, actually because you're 100 right. I think, and partially, we have to recognize that, you know, Captain America, Steve Rogers was a creation of its time, 1940s, very jingoistic. It's a different time. So the idea that somebody like Steve Rogers existed and could take, you know, because or the, the funny thing is, remember, the, the mantle of Captain America was originally a merchandising uh, aspect, it was a mechanism to sell war bonds and drum up support for the troops back in Captain America First yeah, Adventure. Yeah, but... Um... He was he was chosen for the serum because not because of that, but because of his, the, of his character, which and, is what Doctor Erskine told him. Because the serum doesn't uh, it enhances you know, what make you yeah it, it reveals you and in many ways the, the the super soldier serum is a stand-in for power. It's a representation of power. Are you somebody who, if we gave you total power or a great amount of power, would you use it for good? How do you perceive something as good? Is it a good if it benefits you? Or is it a good if it benefits others? Or is it a good where it benefits others, but only others that look and sound and talk and feel like you? Or would you like to expand that wider? Uh, So the idea for Sam to become, to assume the mantle now of Captain America as a modern person in a modern world, is not the same as it was for Steve Rogers to put on a cotton and run out in front of a crowd. Now it's dead at last. He admits the shield has a lot of complicated meanings and feelings, and it's a symbol, like any other symbol, whether it's a flag or a statue or whatever. People imbue with symbol because they they want to represent themselves. Therefore, it creates a dynamic of conflict, where some people will see themselves mirrored by it in the way that John Walker sees himself. Like John Walker thinks, "I am Captain America." And you're like, but everything you're doing is nothing like what Captain America would do. Whereas Sam, who doesn't see himself as Captain America, is the opposite. So uh, where where I'm at also is, it's driving me crazy. This happened in WandaVision. Uh, Here we are. We have two episodes left. And I have a feeling that we're going to cram a whole lot of stuff into, into one episode. Because there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen yet, and there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. Um, so, 
I still wonder if as they're writing this, like, oh, six episodes? Got all the time in the world. And then they get to, you know, through episode four, and like, oh, crud. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, um, and I've also been seeing, I don't know, do you guys uh, watch any of the, uh, like, stuff on YouTube, like New Rock Stars or Screen Crush or anything where they do the top Easter eggs and stuff like that? Um, one of them, New Rock Stars, they've been talking um, – that it seems like there's a storyline that has been changed. There's originally a storyline um, that had to do with vaccines and a disease. And they're, you know, with, with COVID and vaccines, they're like, ah, maybe we shouldn't go there. That's why a lot of the, um, the death of um, Emphis Nest's, uh, uh, Madani. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, see, I'm doing it again. It's Chubbs, you know, it's Emphis Nest. It's, you know, um, I mean, I mean, you're talking Carly Morgan, but yeah, but yeah, mentor. but you know what I mean? There, so there's, it's like that the death there is very ambiguous and there's, and when the, the doctor was, uh, talking about it, I think they end up like, it's kind of an awkward AR moment where, um, he says tuberculosis or something like that. Anyway, I just find that kind of interesting that there's some changes there. Um, the yeah all the all the Wakanda action was awesome. That's I'll just say that. Okay, go ahead, Fredo. No, no, because I was gonna say because all the Wakanda action ties into Bucky, and I loved the the opening scene where they're testing where Io is testing Bucky to see if he has broken free of the Winter Soldier programming because that I was think a in powerful some ways, moment. Yeah, but I I think the reason they have Bucky in there is because he's the stand-in for all of Steve's values. That isn't. Steve can't be here anymore. So we're bringing the one person who probably looked up to Steve, not Captain America, not the guy with the shield, as he said in the movie, that skinny guy who wouldn't, you know, who wouldn't back down from a fight. He's been following him for so many years. It's the guy who believed in him. So he's challenging Sam because he goes, he believed in you. So I think that's why he's in this. It's all about, as Dave said, it's all about propelling Sam's journey. And I think that's why you need Bucky because he's the person who's going to say, no, you're really ready for this in a weird way. Um, but it was so interesting seeing the Wakandans because, first of all, they just, they're amazing. The Dora Milaje are amazing. Yeah. But also because it, it creates a juxtaposition. Again, it's all these juxtapositions about symbols and peoples. It's an interesting dynamic that they're saying, look, for five years, the worst time of our lives were good for us because we all came together. We all saw each other as humans, as people. And then with one snap of Bruce Banner's fingers, it all went back to, to the way it was, and we couldn't see ourselves like that anymore. I think it would be interesting to, to find out more about him uh, because Sebastian Stan has done such a great job with that character, and he's been very compelling to watch. And you almost feel like, we're not really getting his story. I feel like his story hasn't really been told yet. Yeah. It's like, you know, with um, Steve's arc by the end of Endgame, you're like, yeah, he's done. But he nor, needs ha his nor, has, nor has Sam's. Yeah. Which but is... we're, we're hearing it now, or we're learning it now, and we're beginning to learn who that character is and, and the challenges that he faces. And, and again, that's like the show, the name of the show. I'm like, even with that, I'm like, are we talking about racism with the name of the show? Because like the black man himself can't carry the entire show because it's his story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. Mm -hmm. um, and I almost like, I, I would love to hear some interviews from the creators of this show at some point and, 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 and have that question and asked because why couldn't, um, why couldn't it just be the Falcon? The Falcon. Well, yeah. Because this has been his story all the way. So, Absolutely. Uh, so to just put a cap on this uh, part of the conversation. Uh, so, where do we think where do we think we're going here? Um, just real quick, anybody have any? Uh, and has your? Do you still think? Who do you think the power broker is? Do we still think that Sharon maybe is? Or where are we going? Big fight between the two of them and and John Walker because we saw it in the trailer. I heard an interesting theory that Thunderbolt Ross might be the power broker. Mm -hmm. Who's, who, is, went, who is that? I'll be the dummy that in the is, room. Okay, you remember in uh, in the Avengers Infinity War, the Secretary of State or in Civil War, uh, William Hurt. Yeah. Okay. He used to be a he was used to be a general 
was in charge of the uh, program that uh, Bruce Banner was working for that turned him into the Incredible Hulk. Okay. And then they became the Secretary of State for the last couple of movies. So that was, that was a super soldier experiment. Um, you haven't seen the Hulk yet, the Incredible Hulk yet, have you? Have not, Aaron. Not yet, not yeah, yet. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, th- that was the whole theory behind how Banner got transformed. They were they were after the super serum again, um, and then the super serum actually played a part in the narrative in that story with Abomination, um, and so it's um, it's like very much in keeping. I think like he makes sense, but I mean, again, you wonder. You have to ask like, why would he have to go through these back channels, you know, like why wouldn't he just do it because he would presumably have the power to just do it. Um, so I still kind of like Hydra um, because I feel like who, who are the people with within the MCU who have been most obsessed with this super soldier thing. It's been Ross and it's been Hydra. And so like, those are kind of the two, most likely candidates of course uh and i'll just throw this out there and then we'll move on real quick why couldn't it be why couldn't the swerve be that the power broker is zemo and he's kind, be of, he's kind of playing i mean he was you know found also he wasn't expecting the opportunity but he had the opportunity all of a sudden to get the serum because here comes bucky into his jail cell so I don't know. Um, I guess we shall find out in two episodes. I think no chance, zero chance. Okay. Well, uh... <laughs> he killed the guy. He killed the scientist guy. He smashed the vials. I think there's no way. Well, because he... the power broker wants the. But he why do we don't know why he wants the soup the he wants the serum. He may want it to destroy it. Yeah. So maybe. I there's there's. Uh-huh. possibility anyway um so let's leave marvel and let's go into something that uh um is well it's it's all star wars um as you know uh we've said on this podcast before there was a release on disney plus a couple weeks ago of the vintage collection where you have the ewoks and you have um you know battle of endor stuff like that but you also had the clone wars micro series and um Dave has mentioned on this show before that, that, I mean, he's really geeked out over the micro series. Um, and I had never seen the micro series. Um, and so I just have watched the, I guess I have two seasons. Was There was only two seasons, right? So I, yep, so two I've, seasons. I've watched it all. Um, and um, so, yeah, so we're gonna, We're just going to, and Fredo, you've seen it before, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So have you watched it recently it since it's been released? I don't watch it since it's been in Disney Plus. Yeah. Not since it's been in Disney Plus, but I do have the DVDs. I've seen it plenty of times. All right, cool. So, um, so I guess we're 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 just going to talk about this and what we what we think about this uh, micro series. Um, I will preface it with this: I remember um, when the Clone Wars movie was released, and I I remember being absolutely not interested whatsoever. Did not go see it. I think I finally watched it on Netflix, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, so animated Star Wars, I had no interest in. Um, just didn't float my boat. Um, I will say this after watching, um, you know, I've now I've seen all of Clone Wars, you know, all seven seasons. And now I finally saw the micro series. And very much like what I said, how it when we talked about Justice League, how there's a lot of things in just in the Snyder Cut that really helps to explain and make you appreciate um, what we, you know, well, Batman versus Superman, and also what we had um, with the other Justice League movie. Um, this micro series, had I watched it, I would have probably, I, I don't know if enjoy would be the word that I'd use but would have not been so um kind of lost in seeing uh Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. Grievous makes a whole lot more sense. Um <laughs> you know for example um the you know and when like he says I remember I remember watching Revenge of the Sith 
And when he's like, I've been trained in your Jedi arts by Count Dooku. And I'm like, what? When? Well, I didn't do the summer reading. You know, if I had <laughs> done the summer reading scene as micro series, then it would, okay, because there's an actual scene of Dooku training Grievous. You know, or he's walking around with a, he's a robot with a cough. And it's like, wh why? That makes, n it, watching that in the theater, it was like, what? And now it's like, okay, I get it. You know, they, they were setting up Revenge of the Sith. Um, so anyway, so like I said, there was a lot of things that were, um, that, that made Revenge of the Sith a lot more palatable. How about that? Um, all right. So I'll, I'll toss it to you guys and you can, cause you guys are the ones who have seen it a bunch. You can ask me what I thought about this, that, or the other, whatever, but go for it. So Dave, why are you so turned on by this, uh, series? Well, I think like one of the things for me personally is that my kids love this thing. I can stick the DVD and the DVD player and they'll watch it for the next hour and, and not complain at all. Um, so like that's a good, that's a really cool thing as a parent, right? Um, but you know, obviously my appreciation goes back to when I first watched it, and, and I was like Fredo, I, I watched it when it first aired. I uh, got the DVDs. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact context for when those DVDs became available. Was it along with the Revenge of the Sith DVD launch? No, I think because what happened was season one, which was more of an anthology right. comes out right after attack of the clones i want to say it's maybe like 2003 2004 2003 whereas yeah. the, whereas revenge of the season two is made specifically to lead into revenge of the sith it's made it's made to fit in much the same way the last season of the clone wars fits directly with the uh, uh uh, yeah, the, the events right before and during Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. So the final shot of season two of Clone Wars, of the animated Clone Wars, is them getting the call that Palpatine has been kidnapped and need to rush back. Uh, but I of think the that's of the micro like, series you're talking about. Yeah, the micro series. Yeah, the micro series, yes. not not yeah. the Clone Wars. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, yeah, no. But the, that was the idea. Season two, which was five episodes of five minutes, was designed to be a prelude or precursor to directly the events of episode three, whereas season one was more, uh, okay, we'll just show you snippets here and there of the Clone Wars. No, yeah. they were they were really effective at that, like building mm -hmm. anticipation for the third movie. Um, mm -hmm. And that was where, that's probably where a lot of my fondness for them comes. And again, like you said, Aaron, they developed things a little bit better so when you go into revenge of the sith you're not asking why is grievous coughing all over everybody you know does he have covid um no it's you know it was something else entirely and these um i guess well, like my, my question was i don't even remember when the dvds dropped but um that's kind of immaterial at this point mm -hmm. i guess um but I got, you know, I got a lot of reasons why a person in the, in if they haven't watched this series should probably sit down and watch. Well, let me. Um, but yeah, let's well, let me let, let me just say some just some of my initial, you know, reactions when I was watching this. Um, first, first one was, holy crap, there's a lot of battles. Mm -hmm. I mean, but of course, it's called the Clone Wars. Okay, so but a lot of battles. The other one was like, holy crap, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's like battle, 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 dialogue, battle, 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 battle. battle. You know, so um, that strikes me. But that's actually a really cool storytelling device. I don't mean mean that to be a negative thing. It's like they they do a lot of showing rather than telling. And I will say, however, that that is why I liked season one better than season two. Season two bothered me because every time Anakin and Obi-Wan were on the screen and they were talking, it felt like a Scooby-Doo episode. It was, they were there. It was the humor between the two of them was forced. It was, you know, haha, forced. Uh, it, it was, it was just, it was just kind of clumsy. And like I said, it felt like a Scooby-Doo episode. Um, See, like I said, I thought season one was a lot better than season two. I thought even at the animation um, was better in season one than season two. It's like in season one, 
Well, season two, there you see a whole a lot more Jedi. And I think it was like, oh, we got to draw a Wolfman Jedi. Quick, draw him. You know, okay, we got to make a furry-headed guy. Draw it quick. You know, Shaggy Jedi. You know, yeah. And it's, uh, so, I mean, it, it just seemed like a lot <laughs> Yeah, of... it's funny because you mentioned Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. They're yeah. saying that Padawan who looks exactly like Shaggy. Yeah, um, he goes running yeah. out and gets killed, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what should have happened with uh, all of the uh, um, Scooby-Doo gang. They're so clumsy. But anyway. I, I, I don't know. Does Fredo, do you have any sort of, like, general thoughts on, like, like why somebody would want to watch this? Uh, first of all, from a historical standpoint, it's interesting to watch it. From a Star Wars standpoint, just a fun standpoint, it's a good little series again if you're interested in the deep plot lines that dave filoni and crew get into later this is almost like an appetizer to that you're not gonna get because particularly season one it is there is one story which is all about uh asajj ventress where you finally meet her uh being hired by dooku and sidious to go out and hunt and kill anakin which you later recognize, no, it's a test. They're trying to push him further away. But besides for that storyline, which dovetails from uh, the battle that uh, Obi-Wan's having for the the banking clan planet, most of the other episodes are self-contained or one or two episodes. And so they're like morsels. You like Kit Fisto fighting on the water, you get to see that. Uh, Mace Windu just whooping everything inside you get to see that in a couple of episodes so now you didn't you didn't let me mm-hmm. i'm sorry you didn't let me finish no, no. my my thoughts here though because i will i'll give you a big reason for this is that mm-hmm. this these these two seasons do and it's like what it's my my uh praise of clone wars the other series in general is that it actually makes you understand and appreciate the character of anakin skywalker better it's mm-hmm. like there is such disconnect almost between episode two Anakin and episode three Anakin and this I mean you see that he is you know susceptible to the dark side it also you know his relationship with Padme you know they set that up and how it's you know secretive and how he doesn't like sneaking around but he's you know you see his struggles with that so it's instead of going from episode two where they're married to episode three where I'm pregnant you know and it's like Hmm. So there, there's a lot going of, back and forth. I mean, you, it, it, this, it does such a good, you see the way he deals with Asajj Ventress, you know, and uses total dark side there, but then also is the like literal savior of some, uh, you know, planet by going and freeing all their men folk, you know, from captivity. He was quote unquote, the chosen one ghost hand, you know, um so but so like i said it 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 builds that character of anakin skywalker so well um so i i will say that that's a reason why to watch this sorry fredo to step on you no 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 not at all not at all and i and it does a good job and here's what's so striking about it it has a ton of story but it's very much because it's playing with limited runtime i mean it knows we're telling you an hour it's an hour's worth it's a it's an hour basically season one is an hour season two is an hour it's just a question of how they're dividing it. in one they give you 20 episodes of three minutes the other one they're going to give you five episodes of five minutes so it might be half an hour for that one but it's the idea of we're going to condense this so it's all lean there's no fat to this they you know there's moments of levity but it's very much just focused on action which again this is why you hired Gandhi Tartakovsky, the, the animator who uh, created Samurai Jack, which is what actually attracted George Lucas to uh, get him to do this, was this idea of, okay, you can tell action moments or action stories in this medium in a very concise manner, which I think in some ways is what influences him later on to go back and do a more fuller Clone Wars story with Dave Filoni in the animated series that we get to see later on but uh but in terms of just why watch it it's i mean if you're if you want good star wars content this is this is like star wars sushi you can just keep popping them one after the other and then when you're done you're like darn i want it more that that doesn't help me 
Well, I liked one thing that you said earlier, Aaron, which was just like that comparing this to Justice League, because like again, dovetailing off our last episode, this series, the Filoni series, is like a remix of this micro series, because like um, that that series, the Filoni series, is like the Snyder cut version of this series. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to be able to watch both now because a lot of people haven't been able to watch this for the longest time because it was only on these DVDs that were out of print forever and ever. Well, and that's what I was I trying to figure out is whether or not those the end you know the ending of season seven and the ending of the Clone Wars micro series do they jive with one another? No, they don't. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, the kinda, way kinda. The, because no, it, I mean, in terms of theme or in terms of well, I mean, matching story, I mean, it, it's it's and Dave, I'm sorry to, to interrupt you, but I, I I was I was struggling with this. Like, do do they do they jive? And they kind of do. I guess it all depends on who's telling the story. It's like Anakin and Obi Wan are called to you know to rescue the Chancellor, and mm-hmm. so it's like if Dave's telling the story, he may have heard that they were at such and such, and Mace Windu gave him a call. Or Fredo heard the story that, you know, they were on a cruiser and they got a call and they had to. So, so they, they do kind of, they do kind of jive with one another, but Dave, I'm sorry. You were okay. So the I like, no, I, I, I agree with you on that though. Like I like that interpretation because I like this series so much. Again, it's for me, this has been part of my headcanon forever and ever, and this is why I didn't watch the Filoni series for the longest time, because I knew they wouldn't match 100% perfectly. And so, for me, I'm like, well, this is my headcanon, so I'm good. And, you know, I've gotten to the point where I eventually watch the Filoni series, and now, again, it's kind of like watching the two different versions of Justice League, though I think in this case... Both of these series are better than either of the versions of the Justice League <laughs> that we got. Um, but I do think a person can get a, a better appreciation for both of these versions of the same story by watching both. Um, it's, it's like a cover band or it's like a remix of a song that you really liked um that gets put out by another artist and you're like huh well that's a different version of that that i didn't expect um but now i'm but now i'm forced to kind of look at that song differently and i like that about it i'll tell you one of the things that i really appreciated for it was the fact that it was willing to be uh to to bring us the the rest of the jedi into the story it wasn't yes anakin and obi-wan and pat are central to the story because they are the central characters to the prequels but the idea of getting uh other characters like we get we finally got to see you know mace window kind of go out we get to see yoda we get to see uh um what's her name um shakti shakti in battle uh, okay by the way you tell me Aaron. tell me this which General Grievous would you have preferred? Clone Wars General Grievous or Episode 3 General Grievous? Oh, Clone Wars General Grievous. Hands down. His voice in Re- in Revenge of the Sith drives me crazy. But uh, but not just the voice. The the, the way he presents himself. In the, and if you only get him for like well, a few again, minutes. Again, I was... And sorry, I don't mean to make mm-hmm. this in no, Bass no, no. Revenge of the Sith again. But I mean, the fact that Grievous was coughing from the get-go took me out of the movie i'm like why is this robot coughing you know i mean i was like mm-hmm. what what is going on here i mean it took me out of the movie but and that's that's been my criticism is like well okay if i would have done my homework if i would have been a good star wars fan and watched this you know micro series beforehand it would it would have made sense but that's um you know it, i don't know it uh it's, I tried uh, to like at the time. I remember trying to tell people like, "You got to watch the micro series. You got to watch the mm-hmm. micro series." Because like, I remember watching the Revenge of the Sith, really enjoying it, really enjoying General Grievous even in the movie, and and then people are like, well, "What's what's the deal with this guy?" And I had to <laughs> I had to like back up and I'm like, "Oh yeah, you know, like the movie version 
Well, it's, it's not nearly as interesting or fearsome. And it, it's as... what it's what they you know, if it's done right, it's kind of like uh, I remember when J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek movie came out, you know, mm-hmm. my my sister-in-law, who is a huge Trek fan, Trek or Trekkie is derogatory, mm-hmm. uh, huge, huge Trek fan. Um, she said what was cool about that movie was that there was enough stuff in there. And it's very much like the Marvel movies. There's enough stuff in there for the uber geek to go, oh, that was so cool. But it doesn't get in the way for the person who's never read a Marvel comic in his life to enjoy the movie. So here's where Star Wars failed, is that they just kind of assumed that all their fans were going to watch the micro series, And then, you know, the guy who's been a fan his whole life goes in to watch, you know, what's probably supposed to be the biggest star wars movie ever the finale and is taken out of it because homeboy's coughing and i don't understand why you know what i mean so um so yeah i mean it's so that's dave that's an interesting point that you're like well why didn't you enjoy this and like oh okay (laughs) you didn't have the decoder (laughs) ring all right i you know it's fun background for people who like weren't around back when the movie was released or were very very young and don't remember it it's just like yeah you know like people were like what with this with this general grievous character like what you know and for people who'd watched the micro series we're all like yeah i get to see him in live action now this is so cool um and again the point of the character isn't like he's cool it's like another aspect of Darth Vader in foreshadowing, you know, it's like Darth Vader is kind of like Maul in certain ways. He's kind of like Dooku in certain ways. He's kind of like Grievous in certain ways. And it's just foreshadowing. We're going to put it all together in Darth Vader eventually. But um, I mean, there's so much here in the micro series above and beyond general Grievous that I really like. Um, we were talking about Gendy Tartakovsky. Um, I did not know this, but Lucas was actually grooming him to be kind of the John Lasseter of Lucasfilm animation. That's an actual quote that you can go and track down. Um, he was thinking of of Tartakovsky in the what in the way that Filoni eventually became Filoni, which was sort of like the head of star wars animation and so like to me that's kind of interesting to know like they were that impressed with him and that impressed with his work and i can kind of see it too because this animation when you look at it is unlike anything else that we've seen in star wars before or since um there's and i i i always kind of fall down on the side of there's value in distinctiveness oh there went the timer we're gonna have to hurry up um <laughs> uh there's value in distinctiveness right it, if you do something i haven't seen before i'm gonna really be a bigger fan and give you a bigger a longer leash um and like this was a very different series and i think like that it's going to become more important because we have the star wars visions series that's going to come out eventually and that's supposed to be anime style and this series is very Japanese anime style as well. So, like, I think that they're, it's more likely than not they're going to draw from this a little bit. And I've seen people speculate that um, other Star Wars works that have been released have drawn from this. The, the most compelling uh, example I've seen was The Mandalorian Chapter 2, um, which was The Child, I think was the one with the with the Jawas and there was basically no dialogue and it was just action. And it's like, again, show me, don't tell me. Um, And this series is a really good example of that. And that's in keeping with what George always believed in. It's like, if I can, if I can show you, I should do that instead of trying to tell you. And that's exactly (laughs) what this micro series does. That was again, one of my first things right off the bat, I noticed it's like, wow, nobody's talking. All right, cool. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to say, it leans into the strengths of Star Wars, which tend not to be dialogue, tends to be action and setting and story now, and music. On the, on the flip side, however, I mean, we're, we're always talking about inclusion. So 
it's great that this series, you know, is showing and not telling, but that's just hunky dory if you have your sight. So, you know, so, you know, that's, I mean, so while we get on that kick, you know, I stop and, you know, think about, okay, yeah, so that's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's one of those, it's just one of those cruddy things. Um, the, um, the thing that I think uh, the, the Star Wars fans get so hung up on what is canon and everything fitting in and stuff like that. And I just want to go back to the point that I made earlier is that I think that's where the animated series can, you know, have some, a little bit more wiggle room because it's like, again, if we all witness the same accident and the cops come and interview each of the three of us, they're going to get a similar story. They're not going to get the exact same story. You know what I mean? And so, and I think that's what, when I was watching this is like, okay, yeah, this does kind of work with the other clone Wars series. It also works with, you know, the movies, you know, nothing is, and again, it's always, I think star Wars can also always have that from a certain point of view, squinty eye, you know, um, back, you know, get out of jail free card. Um, so I, like I said, I th- I thought it was enjoyable. Um, it's also, it's interesting, Dave, you said your kids dig it because it's actually quite darker than anything other Star Wars, really. I mean, there's a lot of violence and a lot of people dying and getting crushed by Grievous and, you know, stuff like that. But um, that's good. That's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all animated, I guess, what kind of takes some of the edge off. But you know what works really well for me here, too? And again, this is kind of the point where we're talking about this being a, a different version of the Filoni series. This is a very briskly told series. It's very short. The episodes themselves are very short. Um, there's no bloat. You know, I will we talk say, about Clone Wars. I will say, however, I'm glad that I watched it on Disney Plus because it's like an hour and change each season. Mm-hmm. If I was to watch it on Cartoon Network at like, what, a couple minutes each, it would have driven me nuts. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Well, they have the um, Forces of Destiny cartoons and Drove they have nuts. all these other they have all these other shorts, which are just kind of like in the same vein. But it's like um I, I I like that it's um, compact, um, and I think like again a lot of people like I can't I can't sit down and watch Clone Wars because it's like you know seven hundred hours long and there's too many episodes and I know that there are episodes about Jar Jar and I don't care about that. Um, this is not that. This is the exact opposite of that, um, and so I think like that's its strength in its favor. And one thing we sort of briefly touched on, but I think like is worth reiterating is that the action moments are all very well done. Uh, Fredo and I both, we were doing the best lightsaber, favorite lightsaber battles episode a few months back. Mm -hmm. And we both listed a lightsaber battle from this series, a different one. (laughs) Um, And I think like that kind of speaks to the quality here. Um, I'm usually not a big action guy. I'm like I'm looking for those character moments, um, but the action here is superbly done. Fredo, you got some final thoughts on the Clone Wars? Uh, simply to say, if you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor, catch it. It's it's like I said, it's just a couple of hours. You could do it one evening. It's surprising how much it's told on a visual medium. I mean, it takes full advantage of the visual medium and maximizes the storytelling. Yes, you do get some story. I mean, yes, you do get some uh, dialogue, particularly I, I always, I love the dialogue with Count, whenever Count Duke is on scene because this, I think it's maybe the same voice actor, but just, you know, the way that they present themselves and the way that they present Grievous. If you've only seen Grievous as the sneaky, coughing, running away guy from battle kind of thing, his introduction is completely different. So you got to see that. All right, guys. So we're going to make a decision here on air. On air. It's recording, so Dave can cut this if he wants to. But we're, <laughs> we're going to dive further into the vintage uh, 
uh, collection on Disney Plus. What what do you want to talk about next week? Do we want to talk about Caravan of Courage, um, Ewoks: The Battle for Endor, or the Faithful Wookie? Let's do the Faithful Wookie. That's the Boba Fett cartoon from the holiday special. So we will we will watch that and see what what we think. Because I honestly. I couldn't tell you. I don't remember that cartoon. I've just seen little snippets here and there. So how about if we do that? We watch The Faithful Wookiee and we'll review it for the kids at home. Um, I know my wife is itching, though, to watch The Battle for Endor. So yeah. We've been trying to get our kid. Yeah, we've been trying to get that lined up, and we just haven't yet. But, yeah, I know our, our kids are the same Cause, way. Because you, know you just know there's a part of it they're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but look there are blurgs remember the blurgs from the mandalorian yeah but they look like yeah. like stop motion tadpoles uh but anyway um cool all right well uh yeah so check out the the clone wars micro series i dug it lucy says it is time to go so uh um hey hit us up on twitter or on facebook and uh, let us know what you thought about the the uh, clone wars micro series um, or Falcon and Winter Soldier as well. Like I said, we'd like to be bothered. I do have to end with this. I am addicted to Pac-Man 99. <laughs> and I have made it as high as fourth. 99 people playing Pac-Man at the same time. And every ghost you kill like messes with the other people playing. Um, so the uh, if you're playing this, you're trying to figure out how to... It, the, you stay alive and you keep eating your power pellets to keep them the blue ghosts and then eat the fruit because that resets everything so you get power pellets and everything and it is it is like crack it is addictive and but like i said i've made it to fourth so um good on you switch i, I love it so um but i guess uh until next week we will say who dat who dat who dat and uh you all have a great week my tongue is.